Without meaning to, sometimes parents exploit the age of a child to make a point. So maybe one day your daughter tries to use the blender in the kitchen even though she's been told not to. And we exclaim, Susie, what were you thinking? You're only seven years old. The very next day though, when the child refuses to do something we want her to do, we may say, Susie, you're almost eight years old now so you can do that. You're only seven. You're almost eight. Parents go both ways sometimes. But one thing we know for sure, we expect our children to grow up, to mature. The gospel expects the same for disciples. And today on Groundwork, we'll explore growth in discipleship. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And this is now the second program of a series of programs on discipleship. In the first program, we thought about the early stages of discipleship and what the New Testament calls the craving for spiritual milk. What is spiritual milk? That's what we talked about. How do we get the basics of the gospel, the basics of who Jesus is, deep into us like a child growing through milk before we can move on to the meat of the gospel? And that's what we're going to talk about here. I think it's important for us to understand that the milk of the gospel is never going to get old, even though it won't be our primary source of nourishment. We are still people who are going to need spiritual milk throughout our life. But at some point in our walk, God's going to call us to something higher, to something more solid, if you will. So we need to focus on that. Yeah, I mean, most people, if they aren't lactose intolerant or something, uh, continue to need milk in their lives. You need calcium to keep your bones strong. And if you can't do it through milk, you have to take calcium tablets or something. Right. So, right, you're right. It's not like once you you know, you know grow up as a child, you never drink milk ever again. Um, schools have provided milk for children for decades and centuries maybe even uh, because milk is important for children. But when we are a parent, uh, as soon as we're able, we do start to nudge children toward more solid food. You know, yes. maybe it's Gerber baby food at first, all those mushed up carrots and beans. Darn. But, but yeah, that's right. Um, we move our children on. God moves us on. But I think uh, before we talk more about growth and discipleship and moving from milk to meat, I think we want to make clear, Daryl, uh, what we're not talking about here. What we're not talking about is a hierarchy, right, or stratifying people. That's true. So I don't want people to think this, and I'm glad you're going here, Scott. I don't want people to think that, okay, if I check all the boxes, if I get all the good grades, if you will, then I'm a super Christian. And if you don't get as good grades and if you don't check off your boxes, and I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you need a little bit more help. Maybe I could come counsel you in my puffed up pride of my own legalism. I don't want that to be the focus. Actually, we need to understand that it's grace alone. And God's finished work is the reason why we're even here. And out of gratitude for what God has done, we get to serve him. But it's not a meritocracy or some sort of I earn my own way. This isn't what we want to communicate today. Right. And and Paul was all over this. Paul in particular, uh, other New Testament writers, too, was all over this. Yeah, we don't want to say, uh, well, you know, when you really grow in discipleship, you're a super Christian and the rest of you are kind of slouch Christians. You know, some people get straight A's with God and some people get C's <laughs> and D's. And, you know, those people who get straight A's, they're going to get a big old mansion in glory someday. Uh, and the slouch Christians, maybe an apartment or something, an efficiency apartment. That's not what we're talking. When we talk about growth, growth is expected. 
uh, we should grow, we should want to grow, but it would be a sign not of maturity but of immaturity right. if we right. used our growth as a, a way to look down our noses at other people. That's the opposite of the gospel. Exactly. And I believe that we need to understand that we'll become more and more dependent even as we walk with Christ more. And I'm sure you'll talk more about that later. But I want to talk about the Apostle Paul in the scripture that he gave us concerning what the growth of an expectation of discipleship is. And it reads in Ephesians 4 verses 7 through 15. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. A lot in that passage, Gerald, but, but here Paul is tying our growing and our maturing and our receiving gifts to the ascension of Jesus. So we see that as Christ is ascending, he gives us the help we need when he gives the gifts that we need. So he did tell us when he was ascending that it would be better for me that I go. Because yeah. when I go, I can give you the comfort. I can give you the gifts. I can give you the power from on high. And so these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers are designed to help the body of Christ facilitate that growth process that is healthy. So it goes back to what we were saying earlier, that we need to continue to expect growth in our spirits and not just stay infants our whole life. And, you know, when, when Jesus first told the disciples, it's for your own, this is in John and some of those upper room discourses, it's for your own good that I'm going to go away. They didn't, I don't think they bought it. It's like, no, 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 no. We want to keep you here. Uh, how can it be good for you to go away? But it is because one of the traditional teachings of the church in terms of the meaning of the ascension is that indeed from that position at the right hand of the Father, he showers us with gifts. And those gifts are meant to uh, make us mature, help us to grow up, help us to uh, serve different functions in the church, um, and, and to keep the gospel ministry going uh, and to keep it provided for. So it really was um, to their advantage that Jesus went away. And eventually, I think the disciples turned apostles figured that out. But of course, Darrell, that also means we need to be receptive, right, to the gifts that Jesus sends. It's also important to mention that Jesus didn't waste any time making mm. sure that they had what they needed. Forty days after the resurrection, he's immediately getting the gifts that they need at Pentecost. So this must be very important if Jesus is trying to get it to him immediately. I like that point. Uh, it didn't take too long before the Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. And uh, if the disciples wondered what Jesus meant when he said, it'll be for your good that I go away, uh, they didn't have to wait long to see it at all. You know, that's the great thing about the, the book of Acts. Things take off. We did a series on that on Groundwork a while back, but things take off like lightning. And the disciples, the apostles, they can hardly run fast enough to keep up with the Spirit. The Spirit's just popping up all over the place. Uh, and they're just, you know, huffing and puffing to keep up. That's an interesting image for us uh, in the church also today, I think. We just want to keep up and keep growing and, and keep receiving those gifts from God. The ING is continuing, and that's something that we need to know. The growth is growing and serving and reforming. 
And so how that looks and what that involves in the next segment is something we want to unpack. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and you're listening to Groundwork and this second program in a series on discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? What is discipleship? And particularly in this program, what does growth in discipleship look like as we move from the milk of the gospel to solid food or, or, or meat of the gospel? And we just, uh, Daryl, had a passage from uh, Paul in Ephesians 4 uh, that the ascension of Jesus is allowing him to shower gifts on uh, the church through the Holy Spirit. But also, one of the things the New Testament says is that we increase our knowledge and we increase our discernment. And that's an interesting pattern in the New Testament. I think it's important, too, to understand, Scott, that we are expected to continue to grow up into our head, who is Christ. So we're not to remain where we are. And Paul talks about moving from the elementary teachings of this world to the meat, if you will. And so I'd like us to unpack a little bit what that means, what it means, what is meat and what is that about? And Paul talks about that. What you were just talking about, Daryl, the elemental uh, and elementary teachings of the world. He talks about it in the letter to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to pick it up at verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Now moving on to verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are the shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Okay, so again, uh, Daryl, that's a long passage, a lot in it, but it's important to hear it because this really is a pattern in the New Testament. And apparently, uh, you know, if we read between the lines here, it looks like that in the city of Colossa that there were a lot of um, 
odd ideas floating about, including, uh, we gather, something involving the worship of angels and some people supposedly receiving visions of angels. Scholars know a lot more about what all that entails. I don't, I don't understand it all myself, but it looks like the people, including some of the Christians in the church who are being seduced by this idea, was like, well— if you want to be a super-duper believer, uh, you're going to see angels. I saw angels. You didn't see angels? Oh, that's too bad. You know, I, I, I hope your faith gets better, right? So they were taking on airs about these angel visions and, and other practices that they were judging people on. There seemed to be a lot of weird things floating around, like you said, Scott. And it wouldn't be very different from the weird things that are floating around today. Mm-hmm, yeah. We have some things that make us really nervous about, okay, is this what it means to be really, I've, I've heard an erroneous teaching and, and it is not scripture based, but there are some who believe that if you're not speaking in tongues, then you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. And that is not scripture. That is not what scripture teaches. There are, there are clearly people who do not speak in tongues, who have a relationship with God that is vibrant. And so some of the teachings that go around that, that make spirituality a bigger thing and say, you have to have this insight, knowledge, or this secret pathway to make you a better Christian. I don't think it's very helpful. No, and sometimes it can even just be, so he talks about rules and rituals, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are things that people uh, were saying. And it's sort of like, these are areas of the gospel, these are areas of life that uh, don't have hard and fast rules, right? And, and and Paul wants to make clear that some places have certain customs, some churches even today, as you said, Daryl, have certain customs. And it's like, well, yeah, if you don't do this, if you don't, if you eat that or if you ever drink alcohol or, you know, if you you go to the movies and not so long ago, that was a big deal in the Christian Reformed Church that I'm part of and we're part of. But we got um, DVDs, though. Yeah, well, they, we got television. But uh, the idea was we could judge you. Um, and, and Paul says, don't let. Um, cultural rules or even traditional practices get in the way of of Jesus and the gospel. Um, that's not what it's about. Uh, and it's so easy for us to get tripped up on that. And also, by the way, it's so easy, therefore, uh, to get phrase you used a while back there, get puffed up by this stuff. It's like, well, I never do that, that, and that. Therefore, I'm a really good Christian, and that sister over there who does this, this, and this, mm-mm-mm. and then we become proud. And that's not the gospel either. That reminds me of the scripture passage where you had this person who stands in church and says, I'm glad I'm not like that sinner. I, right. My merit is that I give a tithe here, a tenth of everything I get, and I do all these things. But then there's another person who, in humility, says, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I think that the point is, if we don't rest on our own laurels or whatever spiritual practices we think are maturity, because these Christians in Colossae, they're trying to find the right way, right. but they just don't seem to be finding the right way until Paul is able to clarify, how do you stay connected to the root of Christ? And that alludes to being dependent on Christ. So we can't go around thinking we'll be more independent as we get mature, like we are when we are growing in our natural life. I can drive the car now. I couldn't drive the car when I right. was 12 or when I was three. I shouldn't drive the car when I'm 12 or three. Right. But now that I'm independent as I grow in my life physically, that's not the same as the spiritual life because the older you get, the more dependent you get on Christ. And that's the irony of the gospel, right? As you just said, Daryl, in almost any job you think of, right, you start out as an apprentice and then you're a journeyman in the trades, you know, and the goal is ever greater independence, right? 
in a groundwork program a while back, I, I noted that if uh, you want to become a sushi chef in Japan, you will not touch a knife or a piece of fish for the entire first year of your training. Um, you're not allowed to touch a knife or fish. You watch and you observe. Right. Then you slowly undo. And then when you finally make it, you're an independent chef and you're in the kitchen by yourself with your knife and your fish. The gospel's the opposite. The more mature we become in our discipleship, the more we grow, as you just said, in our dependence. We know that it is all grace. And that's why Paul wants the Colossians and all of us to move away from these, what he calls elemental teachings of the world, which tell you there are other ways to salvation and you can do it. And it's all about how you behave and I'll set the rules and I'll establish the rituals. Paul says, no, a mature believer knows that's not the way. Jesus is the way. And to understand that even better, the fact that Christ in John 15 says you need to be rooted and connected to the vine if you're going to bear any fruit, any fruit that doesn't bear him, he's going to prune and cut off. So the idea is to stay connected to the vine, the root. Exactly. That way you can bear fruit of what it means to grow in Christ. That's right. Exactly. And we want to think a little bit about how our work for Christ ties in uh, with discipleship and growth of discipleship. There's a passage in Hebrews that will help us do that. So we'll look at that in just a moment. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. And Daryl, let's dig right back into Scripture now as we close out this program on discipleship and growth and discipleship and go to Hebrews chapter 6. And there's two things we're going to see in this passage that we need to keep in balance when talking about maturity in discipleship. So here are the first few verses of Hebrews 6. Therefore, Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. You know what's interesting to me in this verse, Scott, is that Paul is trying to keep the main thing the main thing. Right. There's so many different things that could be moving in distractions, old wives' tales, old myths, new moons, angels, and all these other things. He's like, no, no, no. We're built on Christ. He is the true head, and we're saved by grace alone. Let's just keep that the main thing and work out the details from there. As with Paul in Colossians 2, so here in Hebrews 6, this first part's about teachings. Uh, this first part's about uh, what people say, practices they suggest you, you know, engage in if you want to be a really good Christian. But it's not only about what's in our head. Uh, so let's hear uh, from uh, a few verses on, uh, Daryl, um, Hebrews 6, starting at verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. Now, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. 
So here's the balance act that mature disciples need to do. On the one hand, we don't want to be distracted by people who hold out this ritual or activity or work uh, as though salvation um, depends on you're doing that or right. or even that you shore up salvation. So, you know, don't don't fall into these people who tell you how you have to behave. On the other hand, though, from the verses you just read, Daryl, it's not as though our work is unimportant. We are supposed to do some things. The writer of the Hebrew says God won't forget your work to help his people. So it's both and, isn't it? Definitely. So it's interesting because I was thinking about this when I had a question from a person that said, I thought it was that we're saved by grace through faith, like Romans says. But then the other scripture says that faith without works is dead. Hmm. So then what is happening there? And I explained that one is before, as far as salvation, Christ's work is fully the payment for all salvation. And that means we're saved by grace. However, our works matter to God. And out of gratitude for him saving us by grace, we get to serve him. And he does care about what we do because the Bible does say that you will know them by their fruits. So the fact that we have work that matters, that can be efficacious, that can be done, that doesn't earn our salvation or righteousness, but it shows how a mature disciple lives. That's fruit that you see. Exactly. And then that's the Apostle James, right? I mean, yeah, you're not really saved by your works, but you're not saved without them either. But it's cart and horse, right? As you say, you know, yes. and, and and as one of my teachers always said in, in Paul in particular, the indicative, you are saved by grace through faith, boom, that the indicative precedes the imperative. It's after you are saved there by grace go. fully. Now, Paul says, act like it. You you, you were buried with Christ in baptism. Uh, you, you arose a new person. Romans 6. Now you behave like it. So, you know, Paul never says to do things, and the writer to the Hebrews is not saying do things so that you can be saved. It's always because you've been saved, now act like it. Be who you, not become something different, be who you now are in Christ. And this is the balancing act. We're talking about discipleship in this program and in this series and maturity in discipleship. And Daryl, I think one of the marks of mature discipleship is that you keep root and fruit separate which is not as easy as it sounds because we, I think, all are wired in such a way that we tend to mix those things up, right? Uh, we tend to put more value on what we can see, our deeds, right. than in what we cannot see, God's grace. I think that we need to remember what Paul has said. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing. Christ is the head, and he is the one that has the best fruit of all. So if I'm comparing my apples to your oranges, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to look at Christ as the standard. But then we also understand that our work matters to God. So he's the one that's actually the true fruit inspector, if you will. He's the one that watches what we do. He's the one that pays attention to how I said that to that lady or how I treated this man. He's the one that knows my conduct in my heart, even if no one draws attention to it, he sees us and he knows us. He never puts it exactly this way, Daryl, but um, there's a sense in which when Paul or James or anybody in the New Testament or John, you know, in the epistles of John saying, you know, you can't say you love God and hate your brother. I mean, that just, that's impossible, right? right? What they all basically say is, if you live that way, having received the grace of God, then you just don't get it. You just don't get the point. 
the point is grace is supposed to overflow in you now. Yes. You know, it's supposed to gush out of you now. The same grace that saved you, that's why you're courteous. Uh, that's why you're kind. The fruit of the Spirit, you, you have goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and all the stuff, you know, the New Testament talks about. If you don't let that shine in your life, if that fruit doesn't grow on the branches of your life, you don't get it. And James would even say, I think you didn't really get grace at all, if that's how you live. And Paul would say, if you got grace, you will live this way. I think it's important for us to know that God is paying close attention. He's not just way off in space somewhere and not paying attention. He's actually looking at our lives. He's expecting us to take the spiritual milk that is nourishment and to grow up with it. And then he's expecting us to demonstrate in our lives what meat looks like. And we do that by holding on to the basics in this hand. And we also show someone else how to do the same. So as a disciple, we have a task to do. We inherit it and we live it. And we never need to spare about our ongoing maturity because as we saw from Ephesians 4, Christ is in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, showering us with the gifts of the Spirit. Thanks be to God. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture and Groundwork. We're your hosts, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we dig into Scripture to help us better understand what to expect on our discipleship journey and what to do when we experience setbacks or discover our own habits are hindering our discipleship growth. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. And Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. <laughs>